This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Real quick, last week we started a new series. How many were here last week? How many were not here last week? If you raise your hand then, get the uh, message off the uh, uh, web, website. And listen to it because it really is foundation for what we're uh, looking at today to continue. We're talking about the blessed family. And really to have a blessed family, you've got to have a blessed marriage. And then it, it trickles down, it comes down to your children. But God wants there to be awakening. We're believing for a great spiritual awakening in the United States and the earth. And it comes through strong families. It, it comes through families that are serving God, giving their all. And God is a family God. The very name Father means that there's children. It means that he is into family. And we saw from the beginning, this was his purpose, this was his intention to have family fulfilling the purpose and plan that he has in the earth. And it doesn't matter if maybe you're not married and you're single. The Bible speaks of those that were single being joined to Israel. It's a picture of being joining, joined to a church family. So if you have no family and you're, you're single, you are to be a part of a church family and be a part of it. So no one's to be left out. And... Maybe you're single and believing to be married someday. This, this message will help you. But anything actually teaching on husband and wife is a picture of the church. So anything can, that applies to that, you can apply to your own life. So I, I want you to, to receive this morning and, and see what the Lord uh, ministers to you. Because I believe it's, it's important for where God wants to take the believers, the body of Christ in, in our day and time. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, going back to the beginning. And it says, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an helper comparable to him. Notice here, the Lord said it's not good. Now, God had been saying it is good. It is good. Everything that he had done and seen, he said, it is good. And then he stops and said, oh, this isn't good. It's not good for man to be alone. Now, he's not just talking. He's not just putting his approval or his attention, his purpose on marriage. He's saying it's not good for anyone to be alone. You're not called to be a hermit in this earth. You're not called to be by yourself. You're called to have those with you, beside you. No one is to be alone. Because God said that's not good. Say it's not good. And that part of you that just wants to go hide and be isolate and be by yourself is not a God thing. God wants you to not be alone. So we need friends. We need family. We need those around us. And I'm thankful for the church that God has designed it 
that we can have a big family. You can be a part of a big, big family, the body of Christ, the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Once again, we see that God is tying in the marriage a relationship, the marriage covenant, like the church to Jesus, the bridegroom and the bride. That relationship is tied in once again. But there's no relationship closer than this marriage covenant. There's no other relationship where two individual human beings become one. The only thing like it is when you become a Christian and you become one with Christ. So really, we could say the marriage covenant or the relationship in the marriage is a picture of the relationship that we have with Christ. When a couple makes wedding vows in the presence of God, a blessing comes on them. This blessing uh, really makes them one spiritually. Say spiritually. They become one spiritually. They become one flesh. God sees them as a new identity, one. And they're one, they're connected spiritually. Now when they consummate the marriage, they become one physically. But there's another part called the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. And we have to take the time to learn about our spouse's soul emotions, their, their ways. And that takes effort. Say, it takes effort. It takes some work. And this doesn't come naturally. Especially for guys, it doesn't come naturally. It comes more natural for the wife, for the woman, because she analyzes, she's into relationship anyway. But us guys, us guys can just hang out among ourselves and uh, we don't analyze each other. We're not going, I wonder what's going on. What's making him tick? We're, we just don't do that. We don't normally go to the bathroom together to speak. We don't have to meet in a fancy place. You know, it can be just an old barn. We'll come together and talk and whatever. Men generally will take turns speaking. You go to a table where there's men. They'll usually take their turn and listen. You go to a table full of ladies, and there'll be all this going on. I mean, everyone's talking, all these conversations. I'm at a table, and you know, Ellen will say, did you hear this? No, I didn't hear this. I was talking to this person over here. I didn't hear that. The reason women can have all this going on, they're hearing it all. Guys can't. We're focused on the one. And we're concentrating to get all of it. <laughs> the truth be known, we'll miss half of it, probably. We're different. We're different. But see, we have to invest in our marriage and learn about that soul realm. And learn what makes her tick, what makes him tick. We have to understand the differences, and then honor the differences. Celebrate the differences. Don't try and make her like you. 
Are you like her? Because we have a tendency, why aren't you like me? We're different. But we honor the differences. Marriage is to be a complete joining of two people, spirit, soul, and body. The joining of a couple on the soul level requires learning how each other thinks, honoring the differences they have as individuals, as a man and a woman. And you have to be intentional on this. And guys, you just have to sit down and talk and say, share your heart with me. She wants to hear your heart. I want a hamburger, that's my heart. A little deeper level, guys. <laughs> so you see this in your notes. To have a blessed marriage, one must commit to learn of your spouse's needs and to grow and change together with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now the reason put grow, how many know we grow together and we change? You can look at the five love languages of your spouse, and they could change over the years. And we grow and we change, but we're to do it together, walking together in the grace of God as joint heirs of the grace of the living God. So it takes effort to do this. It's not something that just will happen automatically. Well, I saw the movie. And it was glorious. And, but the movie was, you know, took place in two hours. We're talking about a lifetime. A lifetime. Ella and I, we're, we'll say the same things a lot of times. Just, or I'll be thinking something, she'll say what I'm thinking. And so we've been married long enough, 38 years. But there's still things I'm learning about her. Lord, that's not fair. I know she changed on that. <laughs> but we change. And we grow. We evolve. Things happen. But we got to continue to learn about each other. couple thoughts. Why did God create the man first? Now look this up. There's over 7.5 billion people on earth today. Now, how many know God could have made Adam and Eve at the same time? That would not have been hard for him to do. He could have made 7.5 billion people at the same time. But he didn't. He chose to make one individual, one, one man. Why did he do that? Well, I have a couple um, things that I think. Number one. God was emphasizing the truth that every person is important, special, unique, and is a one-of-a-kind God original design. He wanted to express how important, how special, how unique His creation is, you individually. In other words, every individual is important. Every individual is special. Every individual is unique and is God's design. You are a designer original. And God is good at what He does. 
In Psalms 139, verse 13, you have made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You have watched me as I was being formed in the utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered, can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, you're still with me. Now that should make you feel special. Because you are special and unique. Because God doesn't make junk. I looked up some things that identifies as a person. We've all heard of DNA, right? DNA is a chemical that's found in every cell in the human body. And they have found that 99% of DNA, actually it's 99.9% of DNA in every human being is the same. 0.1% is different. But what they have found, that 0.1% is different in every single human being on the planet. It is different in 7.5 billion people. And they can take your blood, they can take your hair and identify you, only you. They can tell you who your relatives are. They can get all this information, and it's because of 0.1% is different. Now, that hit me. I'm thinking, well, you know, if it was 80% different, there's a whole lot of different ways that that things could be different, but we're talking about 0.1%. But God used that to make you different that you could be identified with. They say it's a genetic code. That only belongs to you. Fingerprints. Everybody got fingerprints? You can be identified by your fingerprints. No two people have the same fingerprints. Think about that. 7.5 billion people. I mean, there's not a whole lot of room there. How did God make 7.5 billion people, their fingerprints, are all different. A retina scan. Do you know that 7.5 billion people all have different eyes? That you can be identified by your eyes? That's a lot of eyes, folks. And they're all different. Your voice print. You know, only you have your voice print. And that's what they call it, a voice print. Every single person on this planet has a different one. Your voice is unique to you. Well, I thought it sounded like such and such. No, nobody sounds like you. You're different. 
I thought this was interesting. It's one of the newer ones they found. Uh, odor print. No one smells, stinks, no, like you. No, no one smells like you. That they can identify you by your odor. And some of us have stronger than others. <laughs> That's the reason, even if you wear a, a perfume or a cologne, it's different on you because it mixes with your odor. You little stinkers? No. <laughs> it's been discovered every person has a thought when they have a thought or idea, that it goes through the brain in seven, seven different channels in your brain. And they've done, it's called imaging techniques, but the, these brains show the seven areas. You can look at the brain, they see the seven different areas of channels of every time you have a thought or an idea. But here's what is amazing. Everyone has these seven tracks, but they found out no one has the same patterns when they have a thought or idea. 7.5 billion people have a thought pattern different than you. Smile at your neighbor and say, I'm a original. When God made you, he threw away the mold. There is truly none like you. What does that mean? You may have thought you were a mistake. Maybe you thought you born out of wedlock. Maybe you've been through sexual abuse. Maybe you've been misused. Maybe you were abandoned. Maybe you were rejected. Maybe all these things happened to you, but I want you to know you're not a mistake. God was not surprised. He designed you just the way that you are because he loves you. And he created you just the way that you are. It's a mighty God. Number two, I believe God made Adam first to establish the man as the leader of the marriage. And a lot of this goes into to last week. What, what's the leader do? Now, one thing, he wasn't the leader to be the boss. She didn't become his slave. He was to lead her, to protect her, to provide for her, to be the example of a godly uh, person that forgives, that loves, that does what God says. That's the kind of leader that we're talking about. That's what God has called men to do. They're the leader. So that thing that rises up in you guys to protect your wife, to protect your kids, is godly. That's God. To provide for them, that's a godly thing on the inside of you. That was the assignment that Adam had. Remember in the beginning we talked about last week? It's still the assignment that we have today. Genesis 2 verse 22, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, 
because she was taken out a man. We know in, in Genesis 2-7 it says God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. And when you look at that word formed, it means to mold, to shape. It's really the same word that we use for a potter working the clay. And that's the way man was formed. He, was, he came into being, he was formed by God. He took that clay. But it says here that he made woman. What's that mean? It means to be built. To be built. And the, when you look at in the Hebrew, it talks about God took his time. And he constructed and built woman. He wanted to make sure that this creature would get Adam's attention. And all the men said he did a great job. You don't have to teach it to the young boys, to the men. You don't have to teach them. You're supposed to be attracted. You're supposed to... <laughs> the attention should be taken by the female. Don't have to teach it. God did a good job. It's interesting and to me, I got thinking about it. All creation was formed out of the dust earth. That's the way the animals were made. <laughs> you ever heard a guy called an animal? I ain't enough my animal. You can... Well, animals were formed the same way man was. Mm, never mind, just side note. God took his time in making women. In nature, the male is the more beautiful. The male's the one who lies around while the female gets the food and does all the work. In mankind, the woman is the beautiful one that man provides for and protects. In verse 23, it says, And Adam said, This now, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam has surgery. And he's coming to out of surgery and he sees Eve. And he's not thinking, there's no helper for me. He knows this is the one. And he actually has revelations, revelation in this that God instantly gave Adam as soon as he saw Eve. And he's speaking it forth here. Remember, he was speaking things. He was naming the animals, speaking forth. This time he has a revelation, and he's speaking forth many aspects and things about the woman. It says, he said, she is bone of my bones. He recognized that she's a part of me. In fact, Eve was snatched out of Adam. Her spirit... And her soul were snatched out of Adam. And then the, the rib, God multiplied from that and made her body. He said, her bones were made for my bones. The rib is positioned under the man's arm to provide protection, provision. Now, it was not... A rib that was taken out of the foot where he could step all over her. It was not 
a bone taken out of his head where she would rule over him. But the rib was from the side where they could walk together as co-equals before their maker, before God, walking side by side, fulfilling God's purpose and God's plan. Bone of my bone speaks of an inner strength women would supply to the marriage. Bone represents structure. Without bones, your muscles would just be, your, your flesh would just be a, a heap over here, just be a pile. But with the bones, it has structure. You're able to stand. It gives you stability. It gives you strength. And he's prophesying and declaring that the woman has an inner strength. She's like a, a beam, a structure. She's strong that causes the husband to be able to stand with stability. She has a strength. In fact, the Jewish, uh, you look at Jewish teachings, they'll talk about the rib. The rib means advice. And it says, there's an old Jewish proverb, uh, if you, were, you had a, a short wife, it says, man, bend down, incline your ear to your wife and hear the advice of God. Other words, there's some wisdom and there's some advice that you can get no other way except through the woman, through your spouse. And you're to lend an ear and listen and receive. And all the guys said, Amen. And it's so true. The longer you're married, longer you're married, the more you recognize it. You gotta help me. Who's chasing you? What in the world? Okay, well, we need to pray for those two. <laughs> we'll take up a collection for them to get a hotel. <laughs> Chasing each other around here. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. <laughs> Lost where I'm at. Flesh of my flesh speaks of the physical attraction and it talks about a oneness. We, she shall be called woman because she was taken a man. The word woman there actually means came from fire. And the man here, uh, it's actually his name has changed to mean fire. So the man is fire. The woman was taken from fire. Isn't that interesting? That when you look in the Hebrews, their names change. After they come together, the name changes. Fire represents a supernatural empowerment of God that comes on a couple united in marriage. They not only got a new identity or one spiritually, fire became on the inside of him, and she was taken from fire. You both have fire inside of you. You wonder why you have some intense fellowship at times. You wonder why there's this irritant, this arguments at times. Why? You both have fire in you. But if you don't know how to control the fire, you can have a fireplace and the 
the fire is enjoyable. But if it comes out of that fireplace, it can burn down the house. You know, electricity is another form of fire. And electricity's great. How many have lost their power? Makes you really appreciate electricity. But electricity can also kill you. And see this, this fire inside of us, if we don't know how to control it, if we don't understand each other, the same fire that brought you together can also destroy your marriage. And this fire actually is the presence of God in you that came upon you in the marriage covenant. It's a supernatural empowerment from God. God brought Eve to Adam. He presented Adam with his bride. It was a arranged marriage. This was love at first sight. The wedding took place in the garden. It's not described in Scripture, but the wedding took place. Eve did not wear white. She was covered by the glory of God. The purity and the wholeness Holiness of the glory of God covered them, covered her. Think about this. When that fire, when that glory is present, walking supernaturally together, in that empowerment. How do you get that? Walking with God. Walking with Him. That super... See, there's nothing that you can't do. Unless you believe there's nothing that you can do. Nothing's impossible with Christ. And when there was sin, what happened? The glory departed and they said, Where's my clothes? I don't have any clothes on. Because the glory of God covered them. And then God came looking into the... Remember, He came into the garden. Where are you? Now, He wouldn't. He knew where they were. It was like a, a kid. You have a child and you're watching them. What are you doing? You know what they're doing? You're watching them. What God was doing, He wanted them to admit and be honest about what's going on. He wanted them to live up to, to what they did, take responsibility. He was actually looking for His presence, the light, the glory of God on them. He came in, where's the glory? Where's my presence? Where's the light? It's because they turned it away. They rejected it. But today, we have that supernatural empowerment. What do we do? We turn to God. We got, got a problem. Help, God. Here I am. And He will answer because there He is. The blessed marriage is really a union of a man, a woman, and God. It takes three to make a supernatural Marriage, to have a blessed marriage, it takes three. 
not two. If it's just two involved, you will learn to dodge things being thrown at you. There will be verbal abuse. Everything in the world. But when God's there, makes a difference. A blessed marriage doesn't just happen. A great marriage is built. If you want your marriage to last, you must be willing to get outside your comfort zone and to better understand your spouse. Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Cleave means to cling to, to pursue, to chase. That's what we just saw. Miranda was chasing Ron. <laughs> but the Bible never says stop. And see what happens to us. We're on our best behavior during dating or according time. Guys take a bath. I mean, they're interested in their breath. They go beyond just brushing their teeth. They have breath mints and... All this is, is taking place. They're on their best behavior. Everyone is trying to win their future spouse. So everyone's involved. She's looking. She's trying on different clothes. Oh, I don't like this outfit. And, you know, just all this is going on. But then, because the hunt's over, they're married. If you don't watch it, you'll stop chasing. You'll stop pursuing. You'll stop doing those things. And things will become common. Things will become mundane. Things will become boring. And that's not the way God called it to be. It's so easy to get in that trap. And the next thing you know, your wife's going, what's that smell? <laughs> Did you not bathe this week? Don't you care? She wants to be chased. If you chase her, she'll chase you. It's the last one in your notes. To have a blessed marriage, we must never stop pursuing and chasing each other. Another picture of cleave, cleaving is, is welding. When two individual pieces of metal are welded together, that joint becomes stronger, the strongest point on, on that structure, wherever it is. If the weld's thumb right, that connection can take more stress than any other part of the beam wherever you're constructing. That's what happens in a marriage. When you're building your house strong, your marriage strong, when you're working on your love connection, you're, you're keeping the weld strong, you're still chasing each other, pursuing each other. When you're doing those things... When the storms of life come, the stresses come, troubles come, it rains on the just and the unjust, when things come against you, you'll be strong to stand up against it, evict the enemy, stand strong in the grace of God, obey God, and see yourselves as overcomers and see victory. And your children will see it. It'll take notice. Others will see it and say, there's something about these two that I need and that I want. That's for serving God. Because God has redeemed us from the curse. 
When they sinned, the glory departed. There was a curse on the earth. Well, the curse is still here, but we who believe have been redeemed from it, and we can walk superseded because of a higher law in Christ, in Him. And that means you can be a single parent and you can win against all odds and raise kids that love God, serve God with all their heart and all their life. You don't have to be what the, they tell us the numbers are. You don't have to be that one. It doesn't have to be. Because we are the redeemed of the Lord. And He has qualified you for blessing. And part of the blessing is your spouse, is your marriage. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you for the covenant of marriage. I thank you, Lord, for all the singles that are here. I thank you, God, that you have a plan for each of them. And Lord, I thank you that they're connected to family. I thank you that they have a support system and strength. And all that they need, you provide. Because, Lord, your word says they're married to you. None's left out of this thing. God has no kids, no sons and daughters left out. He has them all in his hands and his arms. And we're not letting go. We're staying with him. We're sticking with him. God wants your marriage blessed. But today, if you've never called upon Jesus... You need, first of all, to be a part of his family. You need to be one with him. And actually, a marriage takes place. You're married to Christ as soon as you accept him into your life. And the Bible says you become one in your spirit with him. No one looking around, if that's you, you're ready to give your heart and your life to him. You're not holding back anything. You're giving it all to him. You've had enough of just enough. You're ready for the overflow. You're ready for God to move in your life. You're ready for God to be the one that you go to for the final answers, the one that you go through to for the answers and solutions of life. You're ready to run to Him. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray together and God will welcome you, welcome you with open arms into His family. Let's all say this together. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Right now, I open my heart and I receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. I'm following you, Lord. I'm following you all the way. I can't do it in my own strength. I ask for your strength, your power. I believe you died for me. On the cross, you paid the price. For all my sin, I received that love. I received the price that was paid. I'm yours now. Thank you, Lord, for making me one with you. I give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 
383-8277. You won't know what I'm a sinner.